Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. All right, Lizzie, are you ready to play Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? I cannot name a game I would like to play less than Bodies, Bodies, (laughs) Bodies. I am a chicken. I'm like, yeah, I'm more of like a hot cross buns sort of gal myself. (laughs) I'm more of like a Big Mac filet of fish, quarter pounder fish fries kind of girl. Sure. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) You never played that in school? No. What's that? It's like a hand game. It's like patty cake? I want a Big Mac filet of fish, quarter, no, nothing? No. You like, I'm going to teach you after this. That'll be our new secret handshake. Yay. Okay. Well, I'm glad you guys are listening. We're covering Bodies, Bodies, Bodies today. It came out last year, so... Finally, I'm not doing something from the year 1999. <laughs> <laughs> We're giving the 2000s a fucking rest, at least for a single week. Just one moment's rest. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you guys are supporting us over on Patreon.com, that's super cool. Our highest tier patrons are the ones who selected this movie for us to discuss today. So if you want to tell us what to do, uh, you could do that at Patreon.com slash pod. And we are running a free trial over there. So you get access to audio and video content, bonus episodes, voting. So if you just want to try it out without the commitment, you're welcome to do so. Well said. She's a scholar. I'm a scholar. <laughs> uh, so yeah, bodies, 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 you guys. You've all seen the film. Y'all, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I saw it in theaters. I think with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I love a whodunit. I always think there can be more in the whodunit genre. It's mm-hmm. few and far between. Yeah, it was fun. I usually hate like modern movies that have like Twitter and text messages and stuff like that. But I think because this one kind of had a little fun with making fun of the Gen Z generation, I enjoyed it a lot more. And I love the ending. I, I think it's one of the best endings to a movie I've seen in like years. <laughs> yeah. Horror nowadays, modern horror has to really like neutralize cell phones really quickly from the jump. And I think that this th- accomplished that very well. Lee, how did you feel about the film? I uh, had a lot of fun. I saw it in theaters and I remember seeing the trailer and I was not sure if I would really like it or the trailer looks like a lot of fun, but I was like seeing the trailer. I was like, I don't know, this could be not as much as like how they're hyping it up. Mm-hmm. But then I remember, I think you all saw it before me because I remember you had mentioned like there's a joke about podcasting. Oh, my <laughs> oh yeah. And that was last year when we were like probably we were just starting up or, you know, the first year of the podcast. So, yeah, um, but I I really enjoyed it in theaters and the ending was amazing too. Yeah. Yeah. And watching it again, knowing how it ends, it's actually like, it's like watching a whole different movie uh, because you get to just see these people completely unfold and how (laughs) quickly they just decide to become murderers. (laughs) It's just hilarious. It's like fucking Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Uh, And I've never been so seen as whenever Alice speaks and says literally anything, like, sh- I am her. Yeah, Alice is played by Ra- Rachel Sennett, and she steals every single scene that she's in. I think she was made, like, she was born for this movie to exist. Yeah, definitely. And I haven't seen what I think is her feature, like something that maybe she produced or directed, but Shiva Baby. Shiva it's, Baby, yeah. It's really on the top of my list, and I want to see it, especially after watching her in Bodies. Bodies cubed. I gotta call it bodies cubed. <laughs> bodies, bodies, bodies is too much. I um, I'm a little hungover today recording this because <laughs> my fiance watched uh, Bodies Cubed with me last night, and she often likes to make me little cocktails when we watch movies. And 
She's also really just buzzing from us seeing Barbie. So she made me a really pink drink and she called it Barty's Barty's Barty's, <laughs> like a mix of Barbie <laughs> and Barty's. <so. laughs> Wait, what's in it? It's like strawberry, lime. And the first one she made with vodka and the second one she made with gin, which is probably why I'm hungover because I mixed the two. But yeah, it's just like a bunch of muddled fruit. So cute. Oh my God, that's so funny. We used to mix like four loco and like taka <laughs> and like half of a Bud Light with a cigarette in it yeah. and be fine. Yeah. Now it's like, well, I sipped a gin and then looked at vodka. So therefore now I'm hungover for a week. So yeah, now I'm not doing anything for a whole month. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Why we're talking about this movie today, holy shit, first shot, bunch of lesbians. Yeah, literally first shot, making out, girls kissing. Yes, mm-hmm. great. Me and Lizzie looked at each other and we were like, fuck, we can't talk about this movie after we see it because we're going to have to do an episode on it. Exactly. We did consider doing this for a while, and I'm glad we're returning to it because I'm just really curious about, like, who made it? I've looked not an ounce into this film. Um, and then re-watching it again in my house was really fun. I actually enjoyed it more the second time than the first. But, yeah, it's. I think it's going to be a film that's going to age, interestingly, too. I would love to go back in, like, 30 years and watch it, kind of how we're going and having, like, our 2000s, late 90s rewatch moments now and, like, yeah. seeing how they fare. I think this one's going to go over pretty interestingly because, like, first of all, Twitter's called X now. Yeah, so late. So, <laughs> so already the world has changed so much. Yeah, yeah. And the director and the writers have said, obviously, it's a satire. This is, like, a remark on Gen Z, but the idea is that – without service, without Wi-Fi, that they, like, don't know how to behave, and then Mm -hmm. they very quickly just become murderers. (laughs) Their logic is so flawed and toxic. Yeah, toxic. Oh, my God. So toxic. You're so toxic. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many great fucking one-liners in this movie, but uh, I also didn't learn too much about the production. Um, I just know that it was written by a woman and then directed by a woman, so... That feels very refreshing in horror just to see that, like, women aren't, like, reduced to, like, their bodies, ironically enough. But (laughs) (laughs) Well, all these characters were so, like, uniquely flawed and uniquely shitty. Like, there was no just, like, pure character. I guess the character of V is, like, pure. But even she has all these, like, secrets and lies and insecurities. So uh, they felt really, like, true to life, even though, like, I don't really know anyone like these girls because I actually like and respect my friends. (laughs) But I can see, like, these really specific qualities that they probably pulled from, like, people they've known or seen on the internet. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of fun to be able to make fun of yourself while still find characters with a lot of agency, like, as a woman. You know what I mean? Like, we are flawed. We are... Sometimes horrible people. Sometimes we're, allowed we're shit. To be shitty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we know shitty people too, but that doesn't mean like it, it lets them kind of go off and still have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. the The main character B, I think the director remarked like after test screening, she was like surprised how much of the audience believed that B was the killer for as long as that they did. Mm-hmm. She was like surprised, like this is the one you're supposed to like, <laughs> and nobody yeah. really trusted her either. No, definitely not because, mm-hmm. well, the first person you meet, you're always like, okay, something sus is going to happen. Something's either going to happen to them or they're going to happen to someone else. So. Yeah. It's always the one you medium suspect is the one that, like, you really suspect. All right. So let's get into the movie. Guys, I get so stressed out every time we play this. Someone always ends up crying. <laughs> So how do you play? 
gonna come in different flavors. If you draw the piece of paper that has the X on it, you are the murderer. Everyone else has to avoid being killed. You're always gaslighting me. You fucking trigger me. You are so toxic. Relax, relax. You're silencing me. <laughs> I forgot about the men in this film. Okay, wait. They get rid of them so quickly. I know. <laughs> They're barely in it. Okay, Lee Pace, hilarious. So hot. So hot. I was I was having a mini crush on him last night, and then I read something in the on Twitter today that he's gay, and I'm like, God damn it. Lee Pace is gay? Yeah, he's gay. I only say God damn it because I, there's a trend of men that I like, and then they're always revealed to be gay, and I'm like, even my body knows before my brain knows that they're gay. You're like, something about him. I just, I can't explain it. He's not like the other boys. Yeah. Then you see them kissing other boys and you're like, that's what it is. Oh, because I always thing. get a little excited. Like, ooh, maybe I do like boys. That'll be a fun new <laughs> thing for me. And then they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, what's his name? Pete Davidson. Yeah. To play off of the real Pete Davidson and how actual universe feels about Pete Davidson is so fucking funny. Like, it's one of these jokes that like exists off frame as yeah. well, and mm -hmm. so funny. He's so he has the most slappable face I have ever seen. Oh yeah, the director said she considered no one else for the part. She read the role and was like, "That's for Pete Davidson," and they just offered it to him. Yeah, genius. He probably loved it. Yeah, a thousand percent. So we jump into this film with a. Lovely gay kissing montage. We love to see it. Mm -hmm. We meet our main two characters. So that's Sophie, played by Amanda Steinberg, or Stenberg, Stenberg, um, not sure on the last name there, and B, who's played by Maria Bakalova. And they're in love. And B is an Eastern European working class young woman. And Sophie is a trust fund kid who just got out of rehab. This reminds me of that HBO show I refused to watch that everyone else did. They call this movie Agatha Christie's Euphoria. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. It does kind of feel like Euphoria if Euphoria was uh, self-aware. <laughs> right. B's a little nervous because she's about to meet all of Sophie's super rich friends for a hurricane party being thrown in a fucking humongous mansion. Mm -hmm. So the mansion is Sophie's friend David's house and David is played by Pete Davidson and they're all buckling in for a hurricane party. We love them, don't we, Lizzie? We love, actually, this is exactly how I prepare for a hurricane. I'm like, drugs, alcohol, mm -hmm. And then maybe a gallon of water. Yeah, and like <laughs> a little bit of water. You fill up the tub with water just in case. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you prepare for a lot of darkness mm -hmm. and spooky games. Glow sticks, lots of fun. So they get to this manor and we meet Sophie's childhood friends. So we've got Jordan, who has some like weird romantic history with Sophie Emma, who's the actress who's dating David, and Alice, who's played by Rachel Sennett, the bubbly podcaster, who's <laughs> accompanied by her new boyfriend, Greg, who's played by Lee Pace, who's a vet. And they're markedly missing their friend, Max, who left the night before after a fight with David. And they're all really surprised to see Sophie. The vibes are just immediately off. If I was Sophie's girlfriend, if I was B, I'd be like, what the fuck? They didn't know we were coming. I would feel so unwelcome. Mm -hmm. I would feel so uncomfortable. And it's also a huge red flag when you're dating someone new and you're meeting the people in their lives and they suck. Yeah. And you don't like any of them. I mean, maybe Alice is okay. Yeah. But they don't They don't really put in an effort to make her feel comfortable whatsoever. But I guess that's how they even treat their friends. So it's not like 
It's not like they're being mean just to her. They all like really don't care how comfortable anyone else is around them. No, they treat each other like shit. Like I remember the whole movie because I watched this sitting next to one of our really close friends. And I just remember being like, turning to her and being like, could you imagine if we talked to each other this way? Oh my God. Like if we were all trapped in the apocalypse in some dark house during a hurricane party or whatever, whatever, like we would all survive and with our like dignity intact. We would have a stronger friendship because of it. Yeah, we'd be trauma bonded for sure. For sure. So they're all kind of perplexed to see Sophie because they assume she wasn't coming to the party as they've all largely fallen out of contact with her. And let alone bringing this like random Eastern European girl who works at Game Hut. Like, I would kind of be like, what the fuck? But to diffuse the awkwardness, Greg savors the champagne they're not supposed to drink, and the hurricane party starts. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Break open that zucchini bread. Just such a considerate thing to bring to a party. It is, but it sounds gross. I don't You eat wouldn't it. like zucchini bread. That's, That's true. I just, You're like a vegetable. A vegetable is supposed to be bread. You're like, where's one the or bread? The other? <laughs> Salad or bread, pick one. <sighs> so... David quickly asked to talk to Sophie, and during this convo, we learned that Sophie just got out of rehab and has also lost contact with her parents. And David is also very insecure about Greg. Shit, bitch, I would be too. He's fucking hot. Yeah, he's hot and has this real job. Yeah. Why is he hanging out with these kids, though? Like, how can he stand it? I don't know, but if he likes Alice, then I guess he's, like, down with these vibes because she's a lot. Yeah. I mean, they've known each other for all of two weeks. David also tells Sophie that B is cute in a school shooter sort of way. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, like, such an accurate read of her because she's, like, so nervous and so shy. And I think it's just, like, so opposite to all of their vibrations right now. I know. It's kind of sad that, like, B kind of gives off this slightly insecure, like, caddy from Mean Girls, like, homeschool vibe. Mm-hmm. And that Sophie, I don't know, it kind of feels a little predatory that she's, like, drawn her into this, like, fucked up world that she's come from, you know? Like, it doesn't seem fair at all that she's just, like, dragging her down with her in this, like, obviously toxic plot to, like, fuck up her friends. Yeah, she does kind of drag B around like she's, like, an emotional support animal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, like, B is more than happy to fulfill that role, which is just sad because, you know, she's got some insecurities and she's just trying to make friends, poor thing. I know. So I feel my heart goes out to her. Yeah. Uh, so Bee's walking around the manor just like in awe of all of this wealth. And she runs into Jordan and Jordan tells Bee that Sophie's parents have a house that's even bigger. She also tells Bee to be careful with Sophie, which seems to be the sentiment. Anytime Bee's around any of these people without Sophie, they're like, be careful. Watch out. And she's like, for what? <laughs> she just said the L word to me. Yeah, we, we just said we're in love and what the fuck is going on? And then very quickly after this, night falls, and we see them all dancing, and Jordan looks, like, so obviously jealous of Sophie and B. She even begins to, like, hit on B a little bit. Yeah. Like, dance with her, and it almost looked like she's going to kiss her for a little bit. And Sophie's like, fuck this. We're playing bodies, bodies, bodies. Inciting incident, bitch. Bitch. Okay, so how bodies, bodies, bodies is played is as follows. So it has to be complete darkness, and you pick, like, a card from a bowl, and if you get the X, that means you're the murderer, and you have to sneak up on people and kill them by touching them on the back. And if you've been killed, you have to pretend like you're dead. And then someone else, when they find you, has to scream, bodies, bodies, bodies. And then the lights come back on, and they try to determine who among them is the killer. It's basically like a really horrible way to bring out all of the insecurities and problems that you have in the friend group. 
Yeah, I think David says at one point, like, I don't want to play this. Someone always cries. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, it's going to be you, David. Yeah. And each round starts with each player taking a shot and then slapping the neighboring player. And Jordan, like, really fucking slaps B. And David, like, punches Greg in the face. You guys, is this a real game? It reminds me of Werewolf or or Mafia. That's what it was. We used to play that in grade school, Mafia. Its name is taken from an improv game called Body Body, mm. which goes the same way. Um, and yeah, it's like largely like Werewolf and Mafia as well. Mm. Okay. Never play this alone in a house with no electricity. Well, as like an audience member who doesn't know where the story's going to go. I'm I'm trying to remember how I was the first time I watched this. I was thinking it was going to be like Ouija or something where like the game takes over and the game is like controlling them. But that's not how it went down. Right. Like there's some outside force that they can't control. Like they're being stalked and preyed upon. Mm -hmm. Which they unravel. They set up all the exposition of like how the characters know each other and everyone's like little fucked up hints that they're past so well. Like they handle the exposition so delicately. It really is like a quite an airtight screenplay. Yeah. Because you're right, knowing the ending, watching it back, I still had a lot of fun watching them just fall hand over foot into this like insane comedy of errors, basically. Mm-hmm. And it really does seem like these people know each other really well and they're not like dropping massive dumps of exposition. It's kind of you get to watch their dynamics play off. It's like, oh, those people are running away. Oh, I guess they're doing coke. And like these people are doing this. And yeah, it's really enjoyable. So the game begins. And just a little bit of trivia about the production, because most of the film takes place in the dark the cinematographer actually had to instruct the actors on how to light the scenes themselves with their flashlights and their phone cameras. And the cinematographer said that if the timing was off when they were shooting, the scenes were like unusable. If the timing of like them moving their flashlights around to other actors, they just couldn't use the scene. Right. So they're like teaching these like teenagers how to light scenes and like hit marks. And (laughs) this probably was a really fun film to work on. I would have loved to be on this set. Everybody seems really funny and just like, Even the film doesn't take the murder seriously either, so it's really lighthearted. So uh, Greg is the first to die in the game, and he's, like, so convincingly playing dead that they all actually begin to panic. And this is when me as an audience member was like, ooh, the murders are starred, and that bitch is dead. Yeah, exactly. No, even this time, it still got me. Yeah, yeah. But he's just, like, pretending. And as they try to decide who the murderer is, Alice reveals that David and Emma don't have sex anymore. I mean, David's, I'm so sorry. Wait, what does he say earlier? He's like, I look like I fuck. I look like I fuck. Like, that's the vibe <laughs> I'm giving. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. I mean, wait. Wow. I just went down a really quick mental rabbit hole. Is Timothy Chalamet still seeing, like, that Kardashian? Oh, Kylie? No, they were, like, rumored to break up. Okay. To have broken up. To have broken up. Wait, but didn't Pete Davidson also date a Kardashian? Kim Kardashian. You know these things. Girl. You're like, wait, maybe I did I literally. You know. I know he dated a Kardashian. That is huge for me. <laughs> okay. I'm so proud of you. Yay. Thank you. Snaps for Lizzie. Where are my cookie? Yes. I'll get you on the Kardashians one of these days. Oh, my God. So after this, David berates Emma and, like, leaves in a fit of rage. And Greg has already, like, noped out at this point. Um, So they begin the next round, just the girls, and the power goes out, and they suspect it's David fucking with them. So they all, like, try to get up and try to turn the power back on. And as they're, like, looking around the house, David, like, approaches one of the windows, and his throat is slit. (laughs) 
And so all the girls are freaking the fuck out because like bitch is dying. Like there's no ambulance yeah. that's going to get there in time. And they've also lost service. So <sighs> they try to like get the car started, but the battery is dead. Yeah. And they can't even like run out of the grounds because the like electronic gates are shut. My God, it's the perfect economy of space. Like they're just fucking trapped. That's the thing is like these modern movies, you have to explain away all the technology mm -hmm. and they do that so quick. Yeah. They're just like, boop. Nope. There's no way out. They're stuck here. So all the girls are reconvening in the kitchen and Alice suspects that Max might have killed David, uh, that friend that they've been talking about, but we haven't met because they had a fight the night before. But Jordan suspects that it's Greg because they know him the least and he's been completely unaccounted for since the murder. And Alice says they've been dating for a long time <laughs> until she eventually just says like two weeks. Like, I don't know. You don't ask about their middle name They're like, for a long time. Yeah, he's a Libra moon. That says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does say a lot. Oh, this is one of my favorite lines following this interaction. Jordan covers Alice's mouth because she's trying to, like, call out to Greg. And Alice says, you're silencing me. <laughs> <laughs> Was any of this improv, like, with Pete Davidson especially? Because he's an improv guy. I didn't read anything about Im them improving oh. any of this. I mean, maybe. It's sharp. It's good. It's good delivery. Yeah, the script is really tight, as you were saying. Um, so the girls arm themselves to find Greg, who's laying on his back in the indoor basketball court. And he also has like a face mask thing on and he has headphones so in. scary. Dude, this is when I was like, okay, here, we're going to get freaky. Like some weird supernatural shit's going to happen. <laughs> no. He's just meditating. <laughs> He's just like listening to ocean sounds and trying to like cure his sleep apnea. It's so cute. I love him. Sorry, he's about to die. So the girls circle him and accuse him of being a murderer, but he thinks they're like fucking with, he thinks they're, they're talking about the game. He's like, I wasn't the murderer. I, I died first. And he's like really confused. And then they all like get a little closer and they all have weapons. And then he like reasonably starts to like get scared and he like grabs weapon. He's like, okay, everybody put your weapons down. And so he's like putting his weapon down and then Jordan like jumps on his back and then like a whole brawl yeah. breaks loose. We're like... He's just trying to, like, keep people off of him. He's getting smacked every which way. And then B hits him in the back of the head with, like, a workout weight. <sighs> and bitch dies. Yeah, like, scrambles his brain in front of us. <sighs> oh, I mean, but, like, the thing is, it is a little understandable. Because he's, like, getting all big and aggressive. At first as a joke. And then, like, because they're fucking pouncing on him with knives. <laughs> and it just, from their point of view, they're scared shitless. They're, like, this giant muscular dude is yeah. obviously the biggest threat here among us mm -hmm. you know the comedy of errors on both sides is just so real it's so perfectly handled after he dies jordan says well he was the most likely to have done it because he was a vet and rachel says he was a veterinary assistant are you kidding me <laughs> and then someone goes well why'd you call him gi joe and she says have you seen him have you seen him <laughs> <laughs> Uh, children a veterinary assistant oh no he was so nice he was so pretty uh, libra moon that means a lot <laughs> so the rest of the girls head into the living room where emma tells sophie that david was relieved when sophie fell off because he didn't have to put up with her anymore and then emma like leaves in tears and so this is when like all the girls start splitting up for some fucking reason. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? It's a Why? thing you're not supposed to do. Yeah. Thing you're not supposed to do. No. Uh, so at this point, Sophie starts using again and finds Emma and like apologizes. And after they like hug and they like pull away, Emma kisses Sophie. All the girls in this film are queer. 
We love it. Every I remember single one. My, I was like, <gasps> like, I was so on edge from the murders in this movie that they kissed. And I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, no, it made sense for that to happen then. Because poor Emma, she's just kind of like, she is definitely one of those girls that like walks to the airport and like thinks everyone's falling in love with her. Yeah. Very and that. She's so effectively traumatized because her <laughs> boyfriend's just died in her arms. And so she's kind of in a daze. And so when Sophie gets mad because Emma kissed her, Emma says, isn't that what you wanted? And like seemed like sad and confused. I'm like, girl, like where is your self-worth coming from? I'm not, in, I'm not going to psychoanalyze this character right now, but I could. Well, Sophie does very quickly. <laughs> Sophie says you always think everyone's in love with you. Oh, uh, yes, there it is. Main character energy can be very potent. Yes. So Sophie's like, you want this? It's like a bag of drugs. And Emma's like, thank you. <laughs> Just walks away with all these drugs. Bye, girl. Bye, girl. Shortly after this, Alice finds Emma dead at the bottom of the stairs covered in blood. It looks like a blunt, like, head trauma. And Jordan thinks Emma just fell down the stairs, but Alice is, like, certain she was pushed. Who can never be sure? Okay, so they're reconvening again in the living room, and Alice proposes that the deaths are following the deaths of Bodies, 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 which also could have been a great direction for this movie to go, like Final right. Destination style. Yeah. Nope, it's all them. They are the, like, sole gasoline running the engine of chaos, which is this fucking evening. Yeah. So <laughs> Alice, at this point, is, like, just certain that the killer is, like, the murderer from the game. And then suspicion shifts to B, and Jordan reveals that B's, like, lied about a whole bunch of shit, and B was the first to find David's body, and she, like, technically did murder Greg already. Right. Oh, and then they, oh, then they shove her out in the rain, which is, this, I remember this part in the theater scaring the shit out of me, because you still don't know if there is an actual psychotic murderer, like, mm -hmm. murdering all these children or what. Mm -hmm. But I flipped out. If you're familiar with the Scream franchise, as soon as someone gets shoved out the house, either they're getting killed next immediately or they're the killer. Yeah. So it goes one of two ways. Yeah, and it's funny. You follow her for a while and you're like, is it going to be revealed that she's the killer? But you're with her whenever David shows up bloody. So you kind of know she isn't. Yeah, so you you never in like... You're never quite sure with B, even though you do follow her perspective more than others. And we see that she, like, finds a way in the house through the doggy door. Yeah. And she gets back into the living room with the rest of the girls and tells them that Jordan has a gun. Because while she's been walking around the house, she's seen Jordan pick up a gun and, like, put it in her pocket. So as B tells everybody, like, Jordan has a gun, Jordan's like, I don't have a gun. And so Jordan empties her pockets and onto the floor shows the, like, X from the Bodies, Bodies, Bodies game. She's a killer. She's the murderer. And so now suspicion is just being shifted in every direction, and Jordan does end up pulling out a gun that she's, like, stashed somewhere. And she's, like, pointing it at everybody. Oh, my God. And Alice is, like, fully, she's, like, fully out of orbit. She's just, like, saying anything. She says that she thinks Sophie just came this weekend to have David talk to Sophie's parents about unlocking her trust. And this is when Jordan reveals that she slept with Sophie just, like, on the way up to this party. Like yesterday. Yeah, like, fresh. It's still fresh. And B is already suspicious because she finds a part of Jordan's, like, right. underwear set in the car. Yeah. So she's already, like, on her toes around this person. And so she becomes very skeptical of Sophie. 
And as this is happening, Sophie gets like so upset that she reveals that Jordan actually hates Alice. <gasps> she hate listens to her podcast. I'm going to show you that scene. Now. Oh my God. First of all, a podcast takes a lot of work, okay? You have to organize the guests, you have to do a Google calendar, and then you build a following. It takes a long fucking time, and I've been working on it for a while, okay? And then let me say that nobody likes you. You're just so in love with your rags to riches narrative. Like you're the only fucking person in the world who didn't come for money. You know what? Your parents are upper middle class. No, they're not. They teach at a university. It's public. Oh my God. <laughs> it takes a long fucking time. I didn't expect to feel so seen <laughs> by this film. I laughed my dick off in the audience. And I said, preach. It takes a long time to build a following. You have to make a Google Calendar. I think we should get t-shirts that say, let her have her little podcast. Let her have her podcast. <laughs> Just let her have her little podcast. And if there's anybody hate listening to this right now, a stream is a stream and we're going to count it. Oh, my God. Yes, you are contributing to our numbers whether you like it or not, honey. Thank you for the listen. Uh, Alice, Rachel Sennett, incredible performance. I wish she got nommed for something. Anything. Anything. And, um, God, she gets shot so quickly during this speech. Oh, yeah. Jordan, Jordan shoots her. Right. The gun. In, right in the foot. You just don't start screaming at somebody with a gun. And I love that Alice delivers the line, upper middle class, like like a slur, like like hate speech. They're upper middle class. Mm -mm. Oh, no, mm -mm. They're, no, they're not. <laughs> I just love how serious this film lets the characters take themselves. Like this is the ultimate penultimate drama. And at the end of the film, like towards this part, like towards the end, it's not even the murders that are the most drain and stressful thing about what's going on it's all the built-up hate and secrets and bullshit that they all have like it supersedes the actual violent trauma that they've been through yeah they take themselves so seriously that like even the murders kind of feel trivial to them as individuals like it's as important as hearing that someone hate listens to your podcast yeah you're more offended that someone hate listens to your podcast than your boyfriend <laughs> just getting because like, her boyfriend gets murdered in front of her and she doesn't nearly, like, get this upset about it. No. No. Uh, so after Jordan shoots Alice in the foot, they struggle for the gun and it goes off and it kills Alice. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Podcaster down. One podcaster down. Pour one out. So Jordan is, like, backing away from B and Sophie with, like, a gun and she's, like, backing up the stairs. And as she gets to the top, B jumps on Jordan and tries to get the gun, and then B throws Jordan over the railing, and she, like, lands on a table full of glass. She's two for O right now. B is killing a lot of these people. Yeah, B be number one murderer right now. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Number one suspect, for sure. So after this, B and Sophie, like, try to hide in um, a sauna. Sauna? Question mark? Sure. And... Sophie denies sleeping with Jordan, but B is, like, not buying it and gets really scared of Sophie and runs away and hides until morning. And so when morning comes, Sophie and B find each other outside, and B holds Sophie at gunpoint and demands to see Sophie's text. But instead of handing 
be her phone. Sophie throws it near the pool. And so they kind of launch into another brawl. God, there's so many brawls. Oh, my God. I'm so tired. They're, like, pushing each other, and, like, they fall into the pool at one point, and they get out, and they're they're fighting over this phone that they realize isn't Sophie's. It's, like, another phone that's been by the pool, and it's David's. (laughs) They open this phone to a TikTok draft of a David attempting to savor a bottle of champagne with a sword and ultimately slitting his own throat. Gorgeous. (laughs) Art. (laughs) The most satisfying ending to a film in a decade. Uh, It was so, so satisfying. My only qualm with this film is what follows immediately after their friend, Max shows up. Oh, right. Oh, right. I even just forgot about that. He didn't need to show up. Yeah. It would have been better if he didn't show up. And he's played by Connor O'Malley. Uh, who the fuck is that? He's a comedian. But the thing is, dude, he looks so fucking old. <laughs> he does. Yeah, Max should be like 21, 22. He looks like their dad. Yeah. Like he's really fucking old. I looked up the age difference. So Connor O'Malley is 36 and Amandala Stenberg is 24. What does he say in the end? He said, so what happened? Oh, no. It should have just ended at the at them watching the video. Yeah. You're so right. I literally just erased Max from my mind. Why would they do that? Why would they bring him in? I couldn't find anything in the production that, like, was like, and he's a good friend of the director. Like, right. <laughs> he's just there. I guess they felt they had to tie Max up. I was like, we are more than willing to forget about him. They super don't. They super don't. Like... In Scream, in the first one where they mention Cotton Weary, but we don't see Cotton Weary until like the second or third one. It's like, we don't need to see Cotton Weary That's just because you say his name. It's like Chekhov's. Yeah, it's like Max. you can leave a few question marks. It's totally fine. I don't need to see Max. He did nothing. Yeah. But we did need to see Pete Davidson slit his own fucking throat with a fucking knife because he was trying to one-up Greg. Oh, my God. I need to know, did they like download the draft and send it to themselves? Like, because they're going to need to explain this to the police. Oh, no. Those two babies are going to jail five ever. Super jail. Super jail. Oh, yeah. And maybe rehab also. I guess um, Sophie is the only person that didn't kill anyone. Well, she gave the drugs to Emma, so she might be complicit in some sort of murder. Yeah, but she. I, I don't think you could go to jail for giving someone. And she's rich, too. She's going to have a good lawyer. Yeah. I think she's going to be fine. I think B's probably screwed. B's screwed. B's an immigrant. B's a queer woman. B did, in fact, kill two people. (laughs) (laughs) It's like not even those other things. It's like she fucking did kill two people. And I don't think any police officer would believe the story of like, we thought it was a murderer and then we ended up killing each other. You know, like, then like... Yeah, even a police showing up and, like, seeing an inch of that scene would have been funnier than seeing Max. Yeah. At all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, hey, I'm not nitpicking at this film. It's super funny. It's super tight. It's, like, an hour and 36 minutes, which is what all films should be. Yes. None of this three-hour Oppenheimer shit. Um, None of it. You really can't fault it. And, yeah, you mentioned earlier that, like, the this was, like, the screenwriter's first credit. Yeah. Amazing. It was written initially the story by credit, you know, the idea of the story, which they largely departed from. So like Mm -hmm. some of the characters have the same name, but initially the story was like there was an actual killer. Mm. It was like an actual person. But the director who um, she's a Dutch actress initially and then has moved on to directing, she said that she accepted the film when they moved away from that direction and had no killer because she thought it was more interesting way to study these people 
is oh, like hell in yeah. human behavior. So I I completely agree. If it was one of them, I think it would it wouldn't feel as fresh as this film does. You know, right? Because they would have to give some sort of like actual motivation to one of them wanting to murder the others, and like I guess the foresight to pre-plan it. It's much more funny that this was just like I said, a comedy of errors that went as quickly wrong as it possibly could to the ex- the most extreme of murder and death. Oh my god. It's too good. All right, so on to the reception. I couldn't find a number for the budget, but I do know that it was filmed in 25 days and they used one location for everything. So even the shots in the beginning before they get to the manor was still shot on the grounds of this house. So I can't imagine it's expensive at all. Yeah, it's a really smart feature, actually, to, like, keep everything. And they're all wearing the same clothes, mm-hmm. all in the same location. And like, some of the lighting was phones. Like, yeah. they really honed in on a bare-bones scripts. So what, like, I'm assuming is a pretty inexpensive film to shoot. It went on to gross $14 million at the box office and was received well by audiences and critics alike. I really enjoy this film. And... Lizzie, while I was like calling you up on the phone before like we came to record this, you mentioned something about bodies where you're like, oh yeah, didn't Amandala say something kind of weird online? Oh yeah, there was some sort of like internet drama, but I don't remember the details. Do you? Yeah, I can fill you in on it if you'd like. Oh my God, dish. So I said audience and critics alike uh, enjoy this film. There's one critic who really didn't enjoy the film uh, so I'm going to give you a rundown on this internet drama. Maybe you caught whiff of it around the time that this film was released. But long story short, Amandala didn't do anything wrong and comes out looking like a hero. So this TikTok controversy happened when a film critic for the New York Times named Lena Wilson, after writing a negative review of the film Bodies, 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 posted a TikTok where she shared a screenshot of a DM sent to her by Amandala that read, Your review is great. Maybe if you had gotten your eyes off my tits, you could have watched the movie. So Wilson ends the TikTok by stating that she's just posting this because she doesn't want this person who has more social power than her to think it's okay to do something like this. Did she say something about tits in her review? Great point, Lizzie. So Lena Wilson, the critic, posted this screenshot with no context of the review she had written. And for a moment, users online, like public opinion was like, damn, I guess Amandala can't take the heat. Like, you can't handle a critic saying they don't like your movie. Like, why are you talking about your boobs? What is this about? But Wilson left out uh, the review, which reads, the only thing that really sets bodies, bodies, bodies apart is its place in the A24 hype machine, where it doubles as a 95-minute advertisement for Cleavage and Charlie XCX's latest single. I wouldn't say that at all. I I wouldn't even say that about the trailer. Do you remember seeing any boobs? There's, like, hardly any boobs or sex. There's, like, two girls making out at one point, two girls kissing, no boobs, lots of crying and screaming. I don't remember seeing any boobs. See, this is why sometimes I don't think critics watch the movie. I think they have it on one screen while they're, like, typing up something else on a different screen. They don't actually watch the film because I'm like, what you're saying is so obscure. You either didn't see it or your brain works differently than everyone else. But yeah, it seemed like this reviewer as a young film critic at the New York Times decided that they weren't going to like the film and Mm -hmm. wanted some like hot button zingy one liner to say to make them seem like, oh, critical of younger people. Maybe this film critic is like worth their salt because they don't just like love what kids love, you know. Mm -hmm. But to reduce the film to that, I think is like 
even in no way accurate. Right. Especially when you watch horror films where like women's bodies are used as like props. Yeah. This is in no way even comparable. And so after reading that review, I was like, okay, she's mad that some of these actresses like have boobs. Right. It's just so outlandish. And then for her to like then, sorry to cut you off, but Mm -hmm. like for her to then post this like DM that Amanda List sent her is also very childish and stupid and unprofessional. Yeah. And to say like, I don't want anything to come of this. Then why are you posting it? Right. You have a direct avenue to tell Amanda herself she's messaging you on Instagram. And she's like this person with more social clout than me. Like, bitch, don't you work for the New York Times? Aren't you literally the voice of criticism? Yeah, you are not going to be silenced, okay? You write for the New York Times, which is insane. So, And she, Lena Wilson, the critic, doubled down on this. And she, like, after she shared that DM and public opinion was, like, on her side, she she tried to paint Amanda as, like, homophobic and bullying. She said, Hmm. always weird when the homophobia is coming from inside the house. Is Lena queer? Yes. But, like, what? I know. But like, what you said is more homophobic in a weird way. What you said was fucked up. She just pointed out that you mentioned her boobs a lot. Right. It's just so fucking bizarre. So after that tweet that Lena posted, users began sharing the review and opinion shifted. And then Amandala posted a TikTok explaining how she sent the message in jest. She knew that Wilson was also gay and thought that she would think it was funny. And she said that she wasn't upset that the review of the film was negative, but that it was reduced to something like so obscenely shallow. Mm-hmm. And Amandala says that she's like incredibly tired of people talking about her chest. And she's she's wearing an incredibly modest top. Like, yeah. so for reference, I'm going to show Lizzie a picture of what everybody on set was wearing. And, like, she's just in a tank top. Her boobs yeah. are not even visible. She's wearing, like, two tank tops, actually. She's wearing two shirts. And, like, sex plays such a small roll into this. Like, on-screen sex plays such a small part of this film. Yeah. It, you don't see any anybody have sex. Yeah. And sorry, Charlie's song fucking rocks, but it's not like a music video for Charlie's song. They play it right at the end. They play it like into the fucking credits. I just think it's so funny that this lesbian wanted to to say this situation was homophobic because like as a lesbian, if you don't like Charlie and you don't like boobs, that's homophobic. Oh, preach. She's preaching to the choir. Hello, choir. Do you hear that? I'm preaching to you. Yeah. Damn. Just like, what's the fucking point? Like, why drag down someone on your team. Yeah. It's like what this movie is actually making fun of as well. It's like, look at all these people in like a position to have great lives, to be helpful, to be creating things that matter. And aren't they just making each other shittier and shittier people? You know, like that is that in a weird way playing out in real life. Yeah. This critic did not watch the film. Like this is quite literally the remark that it's making that people rather like Mm. curry and signal through social media that they are so virtuous and everything they're saying is so ridiculous and self-centered. Like, you don't even see boobs. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? What boobs? <laughs> and honestly, even if there were boobs, fuck. Who gives a shit? Yeah. It doesn't take away. Oh, like, you know, I appreciate that the movie didn't over-sexualize these women. But fucking shut up. Is she supposed to wear a turtleneck? It's a hurricane yeah. party. It's hot as balls. They're in the pool. Oh, yeah, we see boobs in the pool, sort of. You in see swimsuits. You see women in bikinis. How dare they? How? How? With the Charlie song, they? no less. Come on, you got one or the other. Big music video vibes, dude. <laughs> 
All right, Lizzie, it's time to score this movie. Do you want to tell the listeners how the score works? How the subtextual score works is we rate the film on a scale of 1 to 10 for how gay it is and how good it is. And then we average all those scores together to get a single subtextual score. Yes, we do. Which we carve then into the cement known as time. And it is irreversible, unchangeable. And that is that. We definitely do not get the math wrong. Ever. never happened. We'd never get the math wrong, so just trust us. Okay, Lizzie, how good is this movie? Really good. Super fun. I want more whodunits. Um, I'm going to give it a seven. What about you? How good do you think this movie is? I love this movie. Would definitely revisit. It's going to be a Halloween staple, so I'm going to give it a 7.5. Oh, you are. Okay, Lizzie, how gay is this movie? Gay kissing. Ten. You know my score, Lizzie. Ten is for gay sex. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to give it a 9.5. There just wasn't time between all the murder and screaming. And the cleavage and the Charlie song. <laughs> yeah, and the music video editing. Ooh, this film got a very good score. It's got an 8.5. Cool. Great. This film pushes Bendit like Beckham out of the top 10. My God. I mean, girls kissing. Yeah. I mean, there's like a single girl kiss in Bendit like Beckham, but it's kind of an accident. Get your lesbian feet out of my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Bend it like Beckham It's nothing against you You could have just been gayer Yeah That's all we really want Alright Lizzie I will not play that game with you I'm sorry <laughs> Don't ask me I'm scaled <laughs> Can we play like a version of that game? Okay Like Patty cake? Yeah Let's just play patty cake <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to keep this content ad-free, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash subtextualpod. See you next week.